hey folks, welcome. Well, here we are, the Not Necessarily Mad podcast with me, Eric Hollinsworth and G.B. Meyer. Well, thanks for joining us. This episode of Not Necessarily Mad takes a left turn. G.B. and I have found a common interest in, of all things, Will Rogers and his effect on society during his time. So let's get right to it. Hey, GB. Hey, Eric. How's it going? It It is going well. Uh, Good. As always, I've been looking forward all week to getting back together and having a little discussion. I absolutely have. I've been looking forward to tonight especially. Right. And, th- and this is sort of off track even in our early cases here because usually we're, we're, we're dealing with something in the musical realm or you know just our daily lives. Right. And um, around Memorial Day, this is we're, we're into late late mid to late June at this point. Um, around Memorial Day, I was coming across uh, the only bridge across Smith Mountain Lake, close to my place, and um, I was they're, they're paving, and I was stuck in traffic waiting for the, the guy to wave us through. And I'm listening to NPR, and they were they were doing a um, a special on uh, the spoken word archive that's going on, right? Speeches, music, and stuff like that. And uh, one of their first little segments, they talked about was uh will rogers and because i had nothing better to do i sat there and listened to it and as always with most of the npr stuff that goes on you you learn something even if you're not trying to and um it 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 occurred to me as they were listing off some of his accomplishments and i think you and i had had a brief discussion about this when we talked about hey what are are we going to talk about you know one, one of the things you know we all know will rogers you know the the quotes that come across, you know, I've never, never met a man I didn't like and, and, and that kind of thing. But we, we fail to realize what a huge star this man was during his time. Um, by, by, by 1932, yeah. he was the top grossing live theater performer. He was top grossing in the movie industry. He had f- between 1932 and 1935 over 40 million readers of his syndicated column and his radio program had 6 million listeners and this is in 19 between 1932 and 1935 ultimately before right. there there was a media star this man seemed to be a media star and that kind of triggered me on on a couple of things and I think we're going to have a have a good chat about this you know how how does a man do that in a time where you know, it hadn't been done before. Right. So when you told me about that, uh, first of all, uh, you were not the only person I know. You were not the only person. I'm going to include myself in this that has been stuck, but has had an NPR on and has given the story a little bit of time. And then that has triggered uh, some fascination or new thing to go look up. And this is an interesting one by proxy because you told me about it. And then I gave it a little bit of thought. I'm like, well, that's really curious. And you mentioned Lewis Black right. because he was quoted in the piece that you listened to. And, I, you know, I think Lewis Black is not only um, uh, really hilarious, but I think he's a very <coughs> smart and very thoughtful uh, person. He's an intellectual right. in the comic space. And so I was like, well, hey, I think I'm going to I'm going to uh, get further into that. And then, of course, that's what's led to 
to this evening and you and I, uh, you know, coming back together and comparing some notes and some thoughts on this is I was absolutely astonished that, you know, before you have something like, you know, the Beatles or Elvis and granted those are in a musical sense, but uh, becoming an, an icon, an international icon of some kind of media phenomena, uh, there's this guy from Oklahoma, the Cherokee from Indian Territory, who 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 created this template, right? Um, all on his own, and um, and I didn't. I'm actually even still a little stunned at how at how I think under under remembered if that's a word under under regarded this might be of what a phenomena he was it really took me aback right, after we talked what, and i got further into what this got me keyed in on all this it's like you know growing up you know we we all heard about real will rogers and we might even seen him like doing his little rope toss thing you know as you know here there and and then you'd hear the speeches yeah but to to have that kind of numbers uh, you know, given given how hard it was to get media in those days, you know, you you and I talk about it all the yeah. time. You know, with working with the bands and 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 trying to do the the um, promotions for those. You know, we have at our fingertips a a way to reach you know hundreds of thousands of people, depending on how 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 viral it goes. Um, with just with just a couple of keystrokes and what he had to do to build that kind of of base his his column that he ended up writing called the daily telegraph which started off as weekly and then became daily literally became a, a contemporary equivalent around 1930 of what we would see as being like uh, like twitter today as he as he traveled particularly in the early 30s, he, he was still writing his column. By the way, that's one thing that really impresses me about, about Will Rogers is uh, he was so full of energy. He was working constantly. Um, but he was sending, he was sending his, uh, his Daily Telegraph, literally by telegraph, to, um, to hundreds of papers across the United States um, as he traveled on a, you know, on a daily basis by telegraph. I and mean, it's, it's astonishing to think about and what that meant in 1930 to 1935, um, right. early days of radio, as we would think of it now, that, you know, uh, these, uh, a syndicated column and being the first one that New York times ever hired as a syndicated column. Now that, that piece of, I did not know that that's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, even that even that was brand new. I mean, it was one thing to have uh, featured pieces by um, by essayists and intellectuals, but to have someone on retainer and to be a regular featured column that would let then later be syndicated that was entirely a entirely new phenomena. Again, he wrote the book on it. No pun intended. Right. I mean, well, there's a lot of firsts with that, and and you know, I guess this kind of leads me to to I guess our first little discussion point about this is it you know here we have all this this stuff that he did mm-hmm. and uh as far as media goes you know how any and he did it by being himself absolutely 
and and you know I, I, I listened to a little bit of of one of the um, there's two or three really good documentaries about him online uh, mm-hmm. we've been referencing back and forth as we've been talking about this there's a, there was a PBS special a couple years back about it and the comedian Lewis Black was Lewis Black it's Lewis Black yes Lewis Black mm-hmm. um, he evidently is a is a historian about comics comedians satirists speakers yeah and and that kind of blew me away because i've seen him a couple times in in concert and you would not think that from the rage that he puts in his comedy but he's he's really you know uh, almost at an intellectual level about will rogers and what he's done and i'm you know we always talk about how how to be um authentic yeah. You know, with, yeah. with with what we're doing here and, and trying to be, you know, as inclusive as we can with each other and, and, and mm-hmm. bringing our, our audience in, you know, imagine being, you know, just behind, well, like we are now behind microphones, but reaching that number of people and still coming across as just you, just open and honest and and, it, yeah, and the, is um, that is that is that truly even possible today i don't know it does <laughs> and honestly does um does even this conversation you and i are having uh that we're recording and that we'll share with other people i mean does it have a template outside of this idea that will rogers uh had stories and uh connections he wanted to make with people um, in an authentic way and in a kind way um, and that he had such an appetite to work and try out new things uh, including and ultimately quite sadly aviation um, we, we wouldn't I don't think that I don't think that the form that you and I know right now we'll never know the alternate universe but um, I don't think that it would exist anything like this because it truly begins with him having a sense of who people are how to connect with them in an authentic way and candidly, how to connect with people with such integrity and kindness because he really liked right. people. Um, Lewis Black made a remark about how one of the things that really humbles him and absolutely astonishes him is that he can see that Will Rogers uh, was not lacking anger with problems in the world around him. It's just that he was able to address it and challenge it with humor. And his ability to do all of that with humor uh, consistently and persistently is, I think, the hallmark not only of, of what he was offering, but I think it's, it's the very structure and scaffolding that allowed him to create it. It starts with that integrity and that authenticity. Right. And, and, and it's not like he wasn't um, political in his stances. Uh, he, was, he was very... No, um, no. Uh, Progressive and, and I was surprised. One of one of the things that you and I have been keying on, um, which really got us started on this, because this was the chunk that um, the the archivists are saving because of its importance. And and this kind of leads me to my next question mm-hmm. uh, or or discussion point, <laughs> if you will. Um, sure. The 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 bacon beans and limousine speech. Uh, he was asked by right. Hoover to come in and basically do an opening mm-hmm. act for a presidential speech. 
which which blows me away <laughs> right. in that way. And um, in this speech, and it, if you if you've got ten minutes, go out and listen to it. Watch it. Watch. There's a video of it as well. They they shot it on movie um, uh, for for posterity. I would I would reckon. Um, but he uh-huh. he was very out about his talking about a wealth distribution and you know this is the height of the um of the great depression pretty much he had some he had some um profound statements inside of that you know in 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 folksy and colorful language talking about how this is the only nation to go to the poorhouse in an automobile correct which which is a great line but he he um it was amazing to hear the things that we're still talking about today politically about wealth distribution and about um, jobs and you know about having you know good employment record and it 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 really opened my eyes to you know we're really not changed that much in the last almost hundred years you know we're coming up on ninety years since that since that mm-hmm. speech and you know which which leads me to the next thing you know we we have this phrase today we call an influencer uh yeah. we have these people that use the phrase influencer I should say. <laughs> right um good gosh and um this man was like the ultimate influencer because what people heard what people heard him speak of these things it meant something and in this speech, at the end of it, he gives thanks to Herbert Hoover for inviting him to speak. And instead of saying things like he's a great leader and he's doing the best that he can for us, he says he's a good human. Which which many yeah. people think was truly the last straw for Hoover and the rise of FDR uh, politically. And... You know his star was on the ascend anyway, but w- with Will Rogers backing him, all of a sudden everybody's going. You know what? FDR is the man because Will Rogers said so. And it wasn't so much what he said; it was what he didn't say that made that change. Inside of that is you know such an interesting dynamic that this even came to pass because Will Rogers had been a friend of Franklin Roosevelt when. Um, when Roosevelt was the governor of New York and was uh, one of the eclectic group of people, industry, uh, celebrities, uh, government that would, that would be part of the regular guest group at the, his ranch above the Santa Monica Hills. You know, it was a very laid back place where he would have people over. And that's where, you know, his, his, uh, he and his family would retreat and spend time together so then you have this where suddenly he's out there and he has been hired he's taken the gig to open for a staunch republican uh incumbent herbert herbert hoover hoover for his you know uh ahead of his 32 um bid for re-election and will rogers was a known democrat and and squarely against a lot of these things but they knew that he would bring the he, he would bring the draw to the radio that that they that they wanted and so he agreed to take that gig and you, know, you watch it and he opens up with about a minute of saying, hey, everyone, don't be scared off. And I'm not going to tell you that there's a better mouthwash you could buy, et cetera. Uh, but after that first minute or so, um, 
he's he's extremely forthcoming with his concerns about um, you know your neighbor's kids are going hungry. What are you going to do about it? Uh, he's very concerned about the fact that people are more concerned about prohibition, which I think could be shorthanded today as uh, you know a, a war on culture, or a war on drugs. Why are you worried about that um, when your neighbors are going hungry? Your right. neighbors' kids are going hungry tonight. Um, and uh, I, I, I saw afterward in a different a different thing I was looking at that FDR was concerned for a moment that Will Rogers might be his own political tour de force and wanted to make sure that Will Rogers was still his friend, still on his side, and was going to be interested Correct. in campaigning for yeah, him, and, and, which ultimately yeah. he did. And I guess that, that kind of wow. leads me to this. Do do we have someone like that today that has that kind of pull? I mean, I've I've heard jokes about well, yeah. not jokes, but rumors about um, the Rock running for president eventually, and how he wants to get into politics. And and we've seen that sure. kind of crossover. I mean, even with Reagan being the the media star he was at one point and then getting into politics or or arnold schwarzenegger or you know any any number of folks uh, the governor jesse ventura who who was is just amazing to listen to to his political uh i don't want to call him rants but his political his political leanings and um but do we have someone you know solidified like that that could that with just words could sway politics that way? I think so. I do think so. And I've had some time to think about it and I waited for tonight to talk about this, but I can think of one person who is, um, who has uh, box office credentials, uh, television and radio credentials, uh, writing credentials and, um, more or less traffics or conducts themselves as an authentic individual who wants to connect with human beings in an authentic way and cares about those human beings. And that's Oprah. I, you know, I, I could see that. I don't think that she, she could, and I'm not saying that it wouldn't, it wouldn't work. I don't know that she has the stomach for that kind of veracity. I think that I think that, it, well, I hope the question I'm answering is that I think that if there's anyone that rivals that model today, it's probably her. Do I think that she has the same sway or she has the same uh, influence on such a wide audience? No, no. I think that um, I think that if she spoke up and said, hey, this is what I'm thinking politically, I I think that she could uh, certainly make uh, make a difference, but I don't think it could be like Will Rogers speaking up saying, you know what, we shouldn't be using the United States Navy to go after bootleggers. That's not what the Navy is for. And immediately have the president, like Herbert Hoover, uh, cancel the idea because, you know, knowing immediately that that would not be, you know, acceptable. There was a sitting senator, I forget who it was, that said that the United States could never go to war again because they would have to ask Will Rogers if he approved of it first. <laughs> so I don't think that I don't think we're going to find that. Um, and I think the closest, and I put Oprah out there as an idea uh, because I think that it's very much about you know even her name. She's even a you know she's a mononym, Oprah. Right. You know we know yeah, it's exactly. Oprah Winfrey, but what you know, yeah. And I had a similar thought, but in a way different path to that. Okay. 
Um, and and it came came more from the side of uh, reach, uh, multi-platform uh, success, if if you want to call that books, movies, radio program, and now on satellite, it's Howard Stern. Yeah. And and people, you know, usually when they go Howard Stern, oh my God, shock jock, they're just talking about naked ladies and and you know crass bathroom humor. But I dare say, if you listen to his interviews that he does one-on-one, long-form interviews with big stars, like there are several of his interviews with Paul McCartney over the last couple mm-hmm. of years since he's moved to Sirius Radio, Sirius XM, right? that are just phenomenally good. And then when you stop and think about it, he's, he, he's done pretty much that same uh, template, Will mm-hmm. Rogers. The the Howard Stern you hear on the radio is pretty much the how from what I gather and from what people have said about him uh, that have have worked and talked with him or been interviewed with him, the Howard Stern you hear on the air is pretty much the Howard Stern you get in real life. He is very authentic to what he is. Now he knows what good radio is and what's going to make people you know either polarized or you know whatever. Yeah, but. You know he's really good at what he does. He's written a couple of books that are really, really good. Um, he's done, you know, the movie. And, sure. And, yeah, private parts. And when you think about it, Sirius XM, and I've been a Sirius XM listener. Oh gosh, uh, almost since they started. I, I, I have a real mm-hmm. aversion to to terrestrial <laughs> radio and the commercials. Uh, six uh-huh. six commercials for two songs. <laughs> And right. uh, when I when I jumped on, I, I became a lifetime member early on, so that it's it's really you know I'm 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 vested in this in this project. Oh, and right. when it first started, you know, I did it because uh, I, I just wanted to have music that I could listen to without having to worry about commercials and and whatnot. And then Howard Stern came on board, and I started listening to him on a regular basis when I was doing a lot of traveling. And they he he brought in. In the first year that he was on terrestrial radio, um, I think it was four million new listeners, and mm-hmm. so you, you can t- you can tie directly to, you know, his kind of pull. Those people left terrestrial radio to listen to him, and you know, he he tries not to get political, but he he doesn't mind telling you what his politics are, and if he sees something wrong, he will speak on it. Now, do I think that he has the kind of political clout that Will Rogers did at the time? No, I, I, I don't believe that at all. Yeah, um, right. Other than like, for right now, I think you know some of his adjacency uh, from his years in New York and Donald Trump. Uh, you know, he's got um, an ability to capitalize on that, and he's got a bit of standing when he weighs in on what he sees with the president and what he wants to say about that. Right, and and. And people listen. Now, does it change minds or does it sway anything? No, Maybe not. not like but he he changed how the FCC has worked for years, and mm-hmm. and he does have influence. So I think I think we do have parallels, but I still don't think anybody has that kind of pull like Will Rogers did. And you know, you mentioned Howard Stern. I was thinking um, as I was as we've been leading up to this, you know, there's some of what Howard Stern did that actually, you know, that, that borrowed significantly from Will Rogers' early template. 
and that is Will Rogers wanted to grow his ability to tell jokes, but he really didn't have time to uh, think of new routines, practice them, and deliver them. And his wife said, "Look, you know, you're, you know, you're always making quips about the things you read in the papers. Uh, just, you know, do that." So when he would get to a new town as he was traveling uh, during his vaudeville days, he would, you know, uh, he would read about things in the local news. He'd make a comment about it, and it would be, uh, it would be witty, it would be lighthearted, and it would be incisive, and it would be local, and it would be uh, current. And that's really how Howard Stern got started. Was uh, although, with if you will, instead of you know uh, a, a down home accessibility, maybe more with this uh, shock shock jock uh, concept. I, yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. Uh, yeah, um, you know. So I think that one of the things that's interesting to me too about what he brings and Will Rogers brings with his sense of being authentic. And, and having such integrity about this person that he is, is how he got started. And we'll go from, you know, from birth to age 22, and just to, you know, just to hit a couple of uh, thoughts, you know, he's, he's born to a Cherokee family, and his father is a member of the Cherokee uh, Senate inside of uh, Indian Territory in Oklahoma. Um, so he's in a politically sophisticated family. He's sent to good schools, Indian schools that are uh, Christian military. He's a class clown because I think he's got something like hyperactivity. He can't quit. He can't sit still. And he likes to cut up. He likes to show off, but really means well. Um, he knows how to play the piano. He likes music. He knows how to ride. He goes out and he um, and he uh, operates as a cowboy for several years in um, in the southwest and in the midwest and then you know after giving that a little bit more of a try at home eventually decides hey i'm going to go to argentina because the cowboy lifestyle is going away and i want to be a gaucho runs out of money takes a boat to south africa a cattle boat and then ends up in you know in a wild west show sort of a uh, a, a buffalo bill william cody knockoff um and you know that's all by the time he's 22 years old so he's learned these different, he's learned how to talk to people in a, in a wide assortment of places and from a very interesting, um, multi, like what I'll call like a multi-identity. You know, he's, he's a kid who's been handed a lot of exposure to power and how it works from an early age, he understands it. Um, he's from a very large community. It's one that, that always meant a lot to him, his extended family um, in, the, in the Cherokee Nation. Uh, and, and in greater of uh, what would become um, Oklahoma. But all of these things together he brought with him and it was his ability to connect with people in the saddle and on the road uh, in a different country. It was his ability to take these things and curate what he knew about people and what he knew about um, connecting with people and right. telling a good story. And, and then finding new ways to deliver that. And um, to me, it just seems that the combination of those things together make for a very, very interesting dynamic, even beyond his, um, the, beyond the way he, the way that he captured all of this media is in itself fascinating. Who he was to become that person is most singular right. so, to so I have a, very I have a unusual. Right. So, so I have a, I have a question for you. Yeah. And, and I, 
All right, so we, we know that there are very few that can cross platforms that way. Mm -hmm. uh, as we would talk about platforms now between the different media, TV, radio, um, movies, uh, Twitter blogs, whatever, you know, digital writing they're doing. Is there is there somebody you think that captures any one aspect of what he does to that extent? Oh, wow. You know, is there an actor that captures that? Is there a writer? Are, are there commentators out there that do it? Uh, you know, um, so, and this is probably just a matter of bias. I don't know that it would be a matter of, of, of political and social commentary, but in terms of understanding um, a phenomena of human spirit and psychology and cultural change and capturing that in an artistic way but never being contained by medium, I would maybe say David Bowie might have been um, iconoclastic enough to, to, to rise to that. Um, he was not only a fantastic actor, but he was a performer, a singer, a songwriter. Um, and he knew, a, uh, he knew a lot about producing music as well. But you know, that's, that's just a musical right. pocket. Uh, or a, a you know a, a performance pocket, if you will, um, just music cool. and movies. Yeah. So I don't I don't I don't know if there's any particular person crossing between um, writing well, and. Um, well, you not just you know crossing over, but is there a singular like is there a writer that can or or a TV mm. personality that you just go they are honest and forthright and what they say is the truth and they do have my sway uh, they will they will pull my opinion based on what they say wow i'm not sure i'm, I'm not sure that anyone right now you is know, coming I, to mind not right now but i have one and you and i barely caught on to the to the tail end of this man's career but what walter cronkite okay oh yeah and yeah, and it wasn't until Walter Cron until he started talking about Watergate personally, or when he was when he, mm -hmm. you know, we've seen the clips of him talking about Kennedy being shot, and right. and the humanity that he showed, and he was he was called the most trusted man in America, and and all he did was read the news, but he did it with such an effect. And a truthfulness that when he did break out of the newscaster mold of just delivering the facts as he saw them type thing, um, people listened and things changed. Right. Like after the Tet Offensive in Vietnam, where he said that there was no way that he could see the United States winning this war uh, that transformed greater public perception of what it, it was happening. It tipped the balance. It really did. Yeah. And you know we're we're in a obviously you know we're we're in the middle of a of, of a, a social movement I guess is the best way to put it um, for equality and justice and you know I you know as we've been talking about this I've been kind of looking and seeing it's like who is who is you know kind of gathering that focus for this movement and can speak to it. And there are a lot of great voices saying a lot of great things, but there's not that one person that is, is saying something that everybody goes, hmm, 
they said that and I should probably, <laughs> you know, right. and, and, and honestly, I don't think that there is someone like that anymore. We're in such a polarized state. Not that we haven't, that we haven't always been polarized. I mean, even in, you know, in Will Rogers era, you know, there was polarization between the, 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 the two parties and, but there was still a civility of at least a, a an attempt at civility between them. And I don't know that we would have that one person or maybe you, you have an idea. I don't, I can't think of one person that could step down and say, this is wrong. This needs to change. And everybody goes, yep. Yeah. I think, I think that it's, it's hard to imagine it outside of the context of how much, um, technology that is becoming more intelligent and more connected is transforming the world that we are living in. And so where you have a disconnected, uh, say in the United States, for instance, you have a disconnected uh, population that's highly uh, local, highly regional. And over the course of the 20th century, you've got this, you have this ascendance of these media channels and will rogers is there for the start of it and see that the the opportunity is to travel a lecture circuit to be, to be in a paper and to send his column by telegraph to appear on radio to be in films you know all of these things what's happening now is um th that channel world is becoming pixelated i mean as you and i are illustrating the fact that we are putting together a conversation and then sharing it with other people um, so the the focus and the concentration of that message is so much different now. And I think also that um, um, I think that we as as people right now have uh, I, th I think that, you know, we're on um, we're on social media. We can shop on Amazon. Uh, we're becoming accustomed to being um, recognized as individuals in a connected world. So I think it's harder. I think it's harder for a single uh, message or personality to ascend and really take root. In fact, if anything, I would say that might be one of the things that's so phenomenal about uh, Obama's presidency is he was elected when social media was still really uh, in its infancy, and uh, right before the first iPhone launched in 2009. And, you know, we're in such a different place now. And I mean, in some respects, I mean, we'll see what happens, but um, he could be remembered as being somewhat more of a, of a central and influential figure politically and culturally that we'll be. see and, for a while. Much like you know, we look back at history, you know, people talk about the Civil War being the, the last of the old wars and the first of modern warfare. And maybe mm -hmm. we're looking yeah. at that that Obama time frame as the last of the non-digital presidents. Yeah, 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 yeah. The last of the non-digital presidents, right? We're seeing a shift in epoch. Right, and and his administration adapted quickly to it, and they were they were progressive with it. And you know, our current president makes his makes Twitter his 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 soapbox. So I mean, it's <laughs> right. We, we've seen the 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 complete. Um, absorption of the digital means yeah. politically and you know i'm not saying good bad or indifferent to any of that i'm just looking at it in a in a in a space and time where we can say okay no twitter twitter 
no Facebook, Facebook. Yeah, that's a full pendulum, yeah. right? From uh, from the the ascendancy or the the last of the the last pre digital president to a president uh, um, daily on Twitter. Correct. And and yeah. and maybe that does take a little bit of it. It, it evens it both evens out the field. As far as everybody mm-hmm. has a voice at, at 140 characters, everybody has a voice. Everybody <laughs> that wants one right. ha- can say what they want. But it also means that everybody that wants to say something can say something. And there is, you know, there's, you have to go and look for the people like Will Rogers that are, um, I, I keep hate, I hate to use the word because I hear it so many, so much with, with folks that, they talk about being authentic. I'm trying to leave my, live, live my authentic life. And, and, and I've always said, well, <laughs> right. if you're telling me you're trying to live your authentic life, then you ain't getting it. And, but <laughs> there, right. the, the, the word authenticity or auth- being authentic it means so much with this because I think the reason that we don't really have somebody like Will Rogers anymore is because we've lost that, that idea of being authentic with ourselves. You know, we. I, I agree with that. I, I also think that what what we're identifying now was not even an exception necessarily in Will Rogers' time because um, he was among his friends um, in the late twenties. He made pretty good friends with H. L. Mencken, the uh, writer and critic, um, and probably one of the one of the most incisive essayists until uh, with with the, with the largest, um, I think personality probably until I'll, I don't know I'll say maybe until Christopher right. Hitchens that's a guess but H.L. Mencken, Mencken told him that he was the most dangerous writer alive today and um, and publicly and Will Rogers um, you know came back with oh well you know they're just jokes and H.L. Mencken said yeah they are taken seriously uh, by nobody but yeah. I think halfwits was the word he used he said, which is unfortunately 85% of the voting population. <laughs> right. And, and Right. So Mankin was known to be sharp and, you know, slightly cynical. Uh, but of course, you know, he couldn't resist the, the charms of such an affable and authentic person as uh, Will Rogers. But, you know, even at that moment, he was pointing out the fact that, um, you know, the um, the opinion of, of, of one man, folksy as he was, uh, could be dangerous uh, in, in with the right megaphone and the right platform. Right. I, I agreed. Um, so I guess, is there anyone today that is beloved on both sides of the political divide as Will Roger was then? Oh, wow. On both sides. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's, I don't know. Or, or have we gone pie that, that, um, that idea is is that something that we're never going to have again well i think the first thing that pops into my head is that part of what was happening in addition to this new technology and this channel world that was coming up around will rogers in the 20s and then in the 30s um, was also surrounded by a time where um during the 20s, Will Rogers had warned people about, you know, some of the success of living was going to be a big hangover and we weren't going to like the, the outcome. He didn't really foresee how bad it was going to be, but he didn't believe that it was going to end well. Um, but there was, you know, there was such enthusiasm for growth 
and also it was a country that had a new sense of itself as one entity after being part of an international war and negotiating a peace treaty. And then you also have on top of that needing to pull together during the depression, particularly during the early years. So there were some very strong dynamics that were bringing people together outside of his commentary and his presence. I don't know that we have some of those same forces. In fact, I think the forces we have right now are actually um, are are more uh, pulling things apart than bringing them together. Right. So I think it's a different stage on one hand. And on the other hand, I, I don't know that there's I don't know that anyone's looking to be that particular model. I think, again, of, you know, um, someone like Oprah who's looking to unite people in a sense of humanity. But I think when anyone's trying to do that right now, they're not coming at it that way politically. Right. You know, it's certainly no one is coming at it with his attitude of, um, you know, that any person who's big enough can take a ribbon. Right, and I yeah. Right now, in in our and both sides of the political fence, I'm not trying to disparage one side or the other. Um, There's a lack of um, hmm. who. What's a good way to play Uh, an empathy for the other? It's Mm -hmm. it's um, yeah. It's pull and pull and pull, and I I don't think that's what what we as Americans are about, but then when we look at history, that's pretty much the way it's always been since the very beginning. It's, you know, <laughs> right. um, yeah. Federalists and Whigs and, and, and whatnot. And sure. And sure. Is, is, are we doomed as a nation at this point to be that divisive all the time? Um, I, I think we have, we have these, we have so many tensions that are baked in for sure. I think one of the things that's most interesting about Will Rogers is, as the point of that topic is that, um, you know, he, his fascination with, um, with liking everybody that he'd never met a man he didn't like, as he said. And, and, um, uh, his, uh, his desire to connect with people in a way that he fundamentally liked and respected everyone is very different from, uh, I don't know, the political fashion right now that everyone has. I'll say everyone to some degree has uh, the political fashion of, I'm sure people who disagree with me are dealing in bad faith. Right. And uh, so he was very much a good faith operator. And uh, I think that's kind of what you and I are, are, are hoping to do is grow a conversation around being a good faith operator, certainly at least in a musical what? space. That's part of the reason why you and I, I get along. I think so, uh, very much so. But, uh, you know, again, it's, it's, it's one of those things. It's like you, you want, I want somebody to step up and take that space, you know, and not just, yeah. you know, you or me or, or locally or regionally or whatever, but somebody <laughs> on, a, on a national level that can just say, you know what, we're, we're all being jackasses right now. <laughs> you know, nobody's going to survive this, you know, if, if, we, right. if we don't change. And it, and it becomes, a, 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 I think, a, a getting back to, to the way Will Rogers was, is like, you've got to open yourself up to liking people. And, and it's really yeah. hard right now, because like you said, if, if, if you don't see politically eye to eye with me, then you're like you said, you're, you're dealing in bad faith. And 
right. it's 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 kind of disheartening when you think about it. Yeah, and, it's very disheartening. You know, we can uh, we can make a little bit a little bit of a pathway moving forward in that in our own ways in our our own daily lives, and hope other people will too. So uh, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, you know, it starts with being kind, right? That's the uh, the, that's the musical cultural aesthetic that we operate out of. Are you kind? Are you kind? Yeah, that's all I need to know. Are you kind? That's right. You know, can we get along? And you know that that you know, as a musician, that is the great equalizer because I I, you know I play with um, I play with folks that are uh, very much liberal and I play with folks that are very much conservative. Sure. you know the the one thing that we all have in common is our love for music and it it does make a difference but i'd still like to hear somebody talk about it (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) and as we wrap up this episode we want to thank those that have chosen to listen let your friends know that they can find the not necessarily mad podcast in the podcast section of spotify on apple podcasts and at madfamworld.com Stay safe.